2: you like me or not? Oh, of course you do. Claire Danes, Diane Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Dermot Mulroney, Craig T. Nelson, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Luke Wilson. The Family Stone. What's so great about you guys? Nothing. It's just that we're all we've got. And you! You're the worst! I'm the worst! Boy.
1: Hello, Merry Christmas, and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast getting an English lesson from Marissa Tomei on the word asshole. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. We are... Autopsy people, whatever the morgue for on coroners. Christmas Day. We're a coroner on Corners, Christmas Day. Yes. Christmas Even coroners. the coroners work. Um, I am your host, Freelance Entertainment writer Chris File, and I'm here drunk in this bar on Christmas Eve, dancing to disco with my co-host, senior yes. writer for decider dot com, Joe Reed. Yay. Hello. Hello, Joe. And if listeners haven't already caught that extra voice, we are adding <laughs> someone new to the family this Christmas season. We have invited a special guest over. It is extra hot, great co-host, our Ariano. Yay. Hi, and just like
2: Meredith, I'm making myself awkward by talking before <laughs> I'm introduced.
1: <laughs> you should have just
2: cleared
0: your throat very, very loudly. Just to, um... What a Thank great. You. What a great tick to give a character to make them instantly irrit- irritating,
1: and <laughs> <laughs> just yes. a very smart obnoxious nerds. throat
0: clear. That was smart.
1: It's yeah. so <laughs> funny what she does. Like that sound is so funny, and her physicality with it too. Yeah. And as if the clues with coughing didn't give it away, this week we're looking at some failed Oscar buzz with a lot of star wattage under its tree, 2005's The Family Stone, written and directed by Thomas Bazuchia. The film is a Christmas dramedy about meeting the family of that person you're probably going to break up with anyway. (laughs) Plus, as with any holiday get-together, there's political divides, hookups, fights, and tears. What else am I missing in this crazy family gathering? It's a lot. I mean, ultimately, I believe there's there's food strewn
0: about the kitchen and whatnot. Yeah, there's, this there's
2: slapstick. There's some there's some pratfalls.
0: Yeah, this watching it this time really made me want to make a strata for for Christmas.
1: <laughs> I was
0: just like, ooh, eggs and cheese and bread. Like, yes,
1: please. I have to say <laughs> the strata stuff before she dumps it all over herself is some of Sarah Jessica Parker's like, of my favorite acting beats she has in this movie when she's teaching like the other like person who's married into the family how to, yes. is his name Todd or is that the <laughs> brother's name? Patrick. Patrick. Patrick, Patrick. is the, is anyway, the Yeah. when she's teaching him how to do it and it's like, This is her in her own element, and she's still very weird and awkward. And it's like. But
0: you can sense her a little bit in that scene thawing a little bit. And in that she's. Once she gets into one on one relationships with somebody who maybe has a little bit of perspective on the family, I think it's interesting to watch him. During the movie, uh, Patrick, um, mm-hmm. this being the like, whatever, 10th time that I've seen this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can look at like side characters like that. So this one I sort of paid attention to him and he's an interesting one because if you notice in the beginning when they first show up, when he first shows up with that and you can tell like the family obviously really loves the both of them. and They make mention of the fact that like it took Amy a while to warm up to him, but he also has this scene with Diane Keaton where she's like, did you get that recipe I sent you? And he's like, yeah, and I ignored it because we're doing my mom's recipe, and that's why I was doing it. And it's just like <laughs> he's figured out how to negotiate her, which is you take her on head on, and, you know, it's not contentious. It's just sort of – but you, like, you stand your ground. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So there's, like, this family does feel very thought out in terms of you can – You can imagine this family existing both before and after the movie ends, and I think that's the mark of a well-drawn family.
1: I'm sure we'll get into, like, the family dynamics of it, but I do love that Patrick character as well. And just, like, it's such a good performance for, you know, one of the few people who's not a famous face in this movie. Um, yeah. Who is, like, constantly watching. And you can tell that he is making a choice about how Patrick feels about every single person in the room. <laughs> um, yeah. But before we get into it, Tara, would you like to do our 60-second plot description? I would love to. All right. If you are ready, I will start your timer. I'm ready. Okay. Your 60-second plot description for The Family Stone begins now.
2: We're in Cutington, Connecticut, or possibly the Hudson Valley, (laughs) somewhere cold. Uh, The Stones, Sybil and Kelly, don't get too excited. It's a man, Kelly, uh, are getting ready to welcome home their five adult children, for the holidays plus all of their various partners for the ones who have partners and that includes for the very first time Everett's girlfriend Meredith played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Only one of the family members has already met her and is like goes ahead of her giving her seconds. bad buzz. Um but she doesn't have to try that hard because when Meredith gets here, she's so tense and awkward and puts her foot in her mouth so much that everyone kind of turns against her to the point where she decides she can't stay in the house. She makes her sister come from wherever she was going to spend her holiday to, like, give her backup. And as soon as the sister arrives, Ten everything seconds. really starts falling apart because everyone... Uh, discovers they might not really be with the partners they're supposed to. Not everyone, just two of the brothers. Also, uh, Everett wants to get his mother's time. wedding ring! <laughs> uh,
1: the titular ring made it in at the yeah. very last second. Oh, oh
0: I God. never thought of that. The, stone the family, family stone means it's the
1: stone. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I never...
1: Well, I mean, even no, with no, the ring being
0: first be and foremost on the poster. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah,
2: well, that left out a lot. Um, I probably could well, have skipped over Kelly being movie. a man. But, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's five children. I mean, yeah. granted, they don't all really get storylines. Right. Research
0: either, but- doesn't really get a whole ton to do. But I mm-hmm. like her in this movie. I know she is a she's an Ariano nemesis, which is. Listen,
2: of my- I. It's true, and then but watching it this time, I was like, I I really only turned against her because of uh, the first thing I ever saw her in was Grey's Anatomy, which I yes. fucking hated her in. Yes, but me I too. have liked her in other stuff before. I thought she was really good in Young Adult. I think she's with the little she has to do here, she's fine. And this yeah. year in The House on Haunted, not The House on Haunted Hill, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, right. which she was also in. Um, I thought she was good, so I might not hate her as much as I thought I would. But she was bad on Grace. Joe, back me up.
0: She was really. And her her storyline was annoying, but also she mm-hmm. wasn't very good on it. So, yeah, it was a double whammy.
2: Yep. Tara, it's
0: interesting to have you on the show, though, because you are somebody who, like, I have my Oscar circles and whatever. And I know you <laughs> from, from uh, you know, work and friendship and stuff. But, like, you are somebody who I'm pretty sure, when was the last time you've watched the Oscars? <laughs>
2: uh I actually don't remember like it's been a bit
0: right yeah
2: yeah I and I used to be super into it like when we lived in Toronto, which was like years ago now um it was two I, I left there two years after this movie came out, not even a year and a half yeah wow um we used to host an Oscar party every year and then just one year I didn't and then I just fell out of the habit and I realized yeah. that like I like movies but I don't really care about the oscars that much
0: but so we had you we're having you on the show because you are the only person i could think of to talk about the family stone with so oh, yeah i do um, love this
2: movie very much
0: but i so back when this movie came out you were probably more plugged into for sure yeah and it's something where like you can pay attention to the oscars and like everything that's sort of like floating around without actually like watching them but it's 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 an interesting perspective to sort of bridge this, like, because we talk a lot about like, oh, everybody knows X and everybody knows Y about what was happening at the time, and it's just, yeah. like, well, not necessarily. So, yeah,
2: no, at the time I would have, at the, I, I you know, I subscribed to Premiere and Entertainment Weekly at the time, and People, Premier. and Sanity Fair, yes, like, I got, it. I got Premier. all those magazines, like, I knew this, and I should just say for the for your listeners you know I care about movies, even though I don't care about the Oscars. <laughs> like, huh? I still go to the movies all the time and watch movies at home all the time. Like, I, yeah, I, I am totally. a movie fan. I just, the Oscar part of it is, like, I don't, it's weird how it turned into such a shrug for me, like, instantly. It was just, like, one day. It's, like, the moment in Singles where um, Bridget Fonda's character's, like, I realized I didn't care about him anymore, and is, like, making salads and walking around her kitchen, realizing right. she doesn't care about Cliff anymore. <laughs> that was me and <laughs> the Oscar.
0: It's like missing one episode of a television show and realizing it's just yep. like, oh, I like I'm fine. I'm... I don't have to
2: do this anymore. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. yeah, but
2: I respect you, and i've I've listened to every episode of this podcast, including for the many, many movies you've covered that I did not see.
1: excellent. We require just as much movie knowledge as we do Oscar knowledge. <laughs> so you are quite welcome to be here.
0: I remember very being very excited for this movie though before it came out because I think it had a really good trailer yeah. and I was a sucker, I'm always a sucker for everything with like big starry casts and but I remember specifically the Oscar buzz on this in the lead up was very much focused on Diane Keaton which mm-hmm. is it's the kind of thing that happens to Oscar winning sort of respected older actors where it's just like, oh, anything that's coming down the pike, you get the idea that like they're going to be able to get an Oscar nomination based on like industry respect alone. And I feel because this is a movie that doesn't feel it's not a serious drama. So ultimately, it's going to have to like fight up upstream with the Oscar voters anyway, because only a few sort of like light comedies ever really get in anyway right
1: because i mean the... you mentioned diane keaton this is the first thing she did after being nominated for something's gotta give and even when something's gotta give first came out before even like when those reviews were hitting and it was raves for diane keaton there was still a lot of doubt like yeah but it's a comedy and it was right. a nancy myers comedy at that too that it seemed like an uphill battle that she was able to climb for that movie and this movie it didn't get the same critical response? No, um, definitely by not by any means. And... I was
2: shocked to see that Rotten Tomatoes score cuz right? like even when you watch it I was like, okay, it's very slight and there's a lot of stuff that happens in it that's extremely convenient and contrived, but it's not a bad movie. Like it's very pleasant to sit through. I mean, I you know, I definitely love lots of bad movies for sure, but I've watched yeah. this, you know, you said 10 times. I've I've definitely seen this at minimum 12 possibly more than 20 It's like i've seen this movie a lot as well i think Mm -hmm. there's
1: also something that people think that this is like a mean-spirited movie and it puts a lot of people off oh there's the divisiveness of this movie is
0: very interesting yeah
1: yeah whereas like for me the type of person who loves like scabrous characters particularly in a comedy like this is like my Christmas meal of a movie, um but I do think that some of the hesitation for this. um Yeah, like you mentioned, the Rotten Tomato scores fifty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's fifty six percent on Metacritic, which makes a little bit more sense. I could understand more mixed reviews, but that there were such like yeah a high percentage of negative ones is surprising was, when you watch this movie. But it was divisive from the break it twenty times. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was divisive from the break and it was one of those movies where it's it turns people off for a lot of the reasons that it's supposed to like turn you off for this family where like I think I think a lot of people walk into this movie and they see this sort of like liberal idyllic version of a family and they think they sort of think oh this is what the filmmaker is presenting as this sort of like ideal and I'm being, you know, I am the choir being preached to. I think there was a (laughs) lot of uh, feeling that the movie was stacking the deck on the side of, like, they're this, like, incredibly liberal family, and then the one son is gay and deaf and has the, you know, black husband and whatever. And I feel like all of this is, like, the movie knows what it's doing along this line. They know that they are, you know, presenting this, mirror-flipped version of the intimidating kind of conservative family that somebody walks into and they feel intimidated and they feel like they're not going to be accepted and they're not, you know, up to the standards and whatever. And sort of this family is mirror-flipped into this very college-town bohemian, you know, he's a, what Craig T. Nelson's character is a college professor i imagine he's a, yes. i think
2: she said something that, that i only noticed at this time that she, she he's she diagnoses something and she calls him a psychologist so right yeah he's and she feels like
0: yeah if she's not an author that she's sort of like she's something to do with like you know she's an english professor or something like that it just feels mm-hmm. very much of that and so then sarah jessica parker walks into this all like buttoned up and it's this kind of exaggerated version of um a liberal family. And I think that's part of it. I think you're supposed to feel like the family is overbearing. And I think a lot of people are like, they're so mean to Sarah Jessica Parker. And it's just like, yeah, that's the movie. Like that's the Yeah. That's the plot. The the whole right, point I, of the movie is to like sort of watch the family get past that.
2: Right. And I think what the movie establishes and as I tried to get into in my sixty my failed sixty second plot summary was she the what makes her character Sarah Jessica Parker's character Meredith so well drawn is that she, the reason she keeps putting her foot wrong is that she is so nervous and stiff and socially awkward and it's only when like she's she's so shy and uncomfortable that it makes her kind of loathsome like even if yeah. they're trying to meet her halfway she's like she puts them off so much and so and then anytime like she manages to relax at all then she yeah. says something horrible <laughs> Like she she tries to she tries then she tries to meet them halfway, but I'm just asking a question like the horrible Christmas Eve dinner scene. Where they're, you know, joking around the table about wh- whether Diane Keaton's character Sybil wanted all of her boys to be gay. And then Meredith's like, but you didn't really mean that. And they try to laugh it off and they try to laugh it off and they try again and she won't yeah. drop it.
0: She's physically incapable of being like giving out of that conversation grace- gracefully. It's Yeah,
2: she's just trying to be understood. But it's like, you know. Just dr- stop. The scene what? that I
0: found really effective this time that I didn't really notice before or as much, I don't really remember it as often, is the montage of her telling the story of how they met
2: mm-hmm. throughout
0: that entire first night that they go out and they go from well, this this. Place was to this was on
2: Kowloon's side and he was at the Mandarin and I was at the Hyatt. Hi- oh, and it's one of those
0: things around. where it's not... Anything where it's just like there's no actual vice there, there's no actual wickedness there, but you can imagine having to listen to this interminably yeah. uninteresting story and just where, being like, It I takes hate her several so locations much. for yes. you to
1: talk about several locations to uh-huh. not tell a story. Yeah. One and of the things th- that I sorry. gravitate towards every time I re watch this movie is how subtle but like the through line of like the tension is also that this is a really doomed relationship that she has with Everett played by Dermot Mulroney and how like part of the tension and part of that family's tension with her is that they know that this relationship isn't going to go anywhere Mm -hmm. and how Meredith knows this and how Everett kind of has to like discover it and like realize it throughout and how that kind of fuels it as well. And it's not just her putting her foot in her mouth. Which I think And how that plays
0: into Diane Keaton's character reveal halfway through the movie that she's got cancer and that she's, you know, likely looking at dying soon. And she's so frustrated at the idea that you know, they all know that he's he's in this relationship that's ultimately not for him. And she's the one who's feeling it most acutely because she's not going to be there to help him sort of sort it out. Particularly well, yeah, and, the, that and also Everett. her
2: feeling is sorry, Chris. Is, oh, her no. feeling is that he it, Everett is has decided he's going to get married to this one because she is the one who is here now because yes. he thinks it will make his mother happy to you know yes. see him settled before she dies, and she has to tell him like in so many words, no, that's not going to make me well.
1: And there's a lot of other unspoken tension with Everett with everybody else too so yeah. it's it's not like he's this overt like black sheep in the family but you can tell no, that he's everybody's got some type of issue that may not be related to the other person's issue but right like-, also- like they
2: make fun of him for wearing a tie like it's you know he's yeah. he's clearly gone into some kind of finance adjacent you know line of right. work that they all think is kind of bullshit and at the same time he has this like like, what I never noticed until this time through and I was, like, watching it and taking notes was, like, he's mad from the second he gets yep. there. Like, he is, yep. he has so much hostility and aggression that is, like, right under the surface. And even when she goes through that whole interminable how-we-met story, he just, like, sits there, like, sort of visibly seething through it all. And then she's like, right? Yeah. And he's like, I don't really remember. Like, oh, yikes. <laughs> like, this, this clearly meant a huge amount to her and zero to him. And Between yet, this
0: movie and... My Best Friend's Wedding. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's a Dermot Mulroney thing specifically, but he doesn't seem to be great at being able to pull out a kernel of likability from a character yeah. who's who's frustrated but expressing it in, like, these really bad ways. Where, like, the point at the... And I know it's, it's part of the story here, but um, the point in the dinner, that disastrous dinner you were talking about where Sarah Jessica Parker keeps, like, digging her own grave... And he turns to her and he just, she says, she's saying, you know, that's not what I mean. And he says... Why don't you tell everybody what it is you really mean? I know. And, and it's so much a betrayal of like you're supposed to defend her. She says yeah. she has nobody at this table. Well, I mean, she has a sister, but like in general, like you are her boyfriend. Yeah. This is your family. You have to defuse this and to turn on her in that way. Mm-hmm. And she plays this, she plays the betrayal so perfectly. Sarah Jessica yeah. Parker does. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember sort of like gasping at, at it this time. It's just like it's so incredibly callous mm-hmm. and um he's just not a likable character in any way. And no. I think that ultimately sort of like mutes the how you know how much appeal the him falling in love with Julie storyline is. And I love Claire Danes, of course, but like mm-hmm. um there's only so much of my like emotional terrain that I can cede to that story because it's like no I'm already, my heart's already with, you know, Diane Keaton looking out at the snow falling and with Meredith and with, you know, everybody else, Rachel McAdams and all this stuff. Like, I can't quite care that much about Everett and Julie sort of falling for each other in a way that, like, he, again, is looking for his, you know, would-be fiance as he's, you know, just chased her from their family home. And then like that night he's gonna fall in love with her sister. It's still, you know, it's still kind of a hero. The
1: part the only like the worst part of this movie, if we're talking about some of the contrived things, is that slow mo shot of him walking away from like putting Claire Danes on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. It's like the Rocky shot of the movie. It's so weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: So who are our favorite characters of the Stones? Um, characters or performance? Because Both, I think either. largely yeah. the performances are really good. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think there's a wide divide between who is good and who is not good in this movie. Um, I kind of, because we haven't really brought up her character yet, I would like to talk about Rachel McAdams as Amy, who... Best um, in show. The I queen. think she's best in show. In Me too. She's Um, great. She's so With a character who
0: doesn't have a whole ton of emotional, like, journey to go on, actually. It's just, like, she's the mean one, and then she kind of, you know, sees the error of her ways a little bit, and then she gets Paul Schneider sort of thrown at her at the end.
1: I do think, (laughs) like, she plays a fairly layered, like, family asshole, though. Oh, yeah. Because, like... In the way that I was saying, like everybody has like a slightly different problem with Everett. I think she has exactly the same problem with everyone <laughs> <laughs> right where it's just like her problem with them is just she's a jerk um, she's
0: the youngest, and you can tell she's sort of been like you know the youngest of this particular crew, so a lot of that stuff has sort of rolled downhill and she's and it's accumulated with her and she seems just like a little the little bulldog of the family and well, like, also, part of that like is, the-
2: yeah, the way they established her character, sorry, is when, when the first thing we see of her is her shitty Volvo when she pulls in like, Yes, this old bead and like scratched the up.
0: NPR bag.
2: And then she gets out and she has an NPR tote bag and she's wearing like a, some kind of motocross T-shirt and a skirt and like an old bedraggled sweater and it's like, okay, got it. And But I love how like when she waits for everyone to get there before holding court. Yes. To Sybil's absolute delight. Like yep. Sybil is eating it up. And you can also tell that's part of why she's like this is because she gets this much affirmation from Sybil also being a secret bitch. <laughs> like yeah. She, she Absolutely. Wants, this is what she wants. And so that's why she she plays into it, too. But at the same time, like, Joe, I, I agree that she doesn't have a huge journey to go on. But the moment when um, on Christmas morning, Meredith finally hands around her gift. Ugh, yes. I can't believe we're yep. going to talk about this. She she gets she has gotten everybody. Um, a beautifully framed copy of this photo of Sybil from that she got off Everett's desk um, of her pregnant and just you know it's a black and white photo. She's looking off to the side, looking very much like Lisa Kudrow, by the way. Oh, and, interesting. Um, yeah everett doesn't know that she's done this apparently based on his reaction he doesn't realize she did it and and yeah. and everyone is overcome because it's such a thoughtful beautiful gift and like everyone is so silent she thinks that she fucked up again meredith thinks it yeah and amy is like sobbing because she feels so bad about yeah. what a bitch she's been to meredith this whole time and like it's, it's a great it's, scene it's a great moment for a
0: lot of reasons but yeah yes
1: yeah absolutely
2: for everything great...
1: that people want to say that this movie is contrived, like there is genuine feeling there, and I think yeah. like it's the part of why that scene is so great is it's the culmination of a lot of different family dynamics that are going on in this movie mm-hmm. that I think it gets right. I mean, I'm definitely from the type of like stone family where this movie feels <laughs> incredibly authentic to me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, I guess I don't know where I was going with that. I was just saying like that scene is wonderful.
0: <laughs> I I talked to a lot of uh a lot of people, especially uh people who don't love this movie, who specifically have problems with the thad character that he doesn't that he doesn't exist f- far enough beyond just the fact that he's gay and deaf, that he just sort of exists to be the object of that argument at the dinner table more than halfway through the movie. And I wonder what you guys think about that. I mostly think he's very cute. Oh,
1: (laughs) well we talked, we talked about Brian White's performance as his partner, Patrick. And I think Patrick's a far more interesting character, but I think it makes up for a lot of that, that I do think is partly true for the Thad character. Um, And maybe some of that's more performance than what's on the page. I would understand that read, too. Um, But also, I think there's a certain element to it where, like, if you're the gay person in the family, surrounded by a bunch of straight people, like, you can't be just categorized that way. Yeah. Um, Like, if you asked certain members of my family, like, which one of the stones is Chris? They would say the gay one, probably, when... (laughs) Really, I'm probably more like <laughs> Elizabeth Reeser, maybe, right. or Luke Wilson. <laughs> um, so like, I think he's probably the, mov- the character the movie is one of the least interested in. So I understand why people have that read on him. But I think he gets just as much like time as the other people do. It's just also maybe he's not played by someone who's famous.
2: It's also that, I mean, he gets that moment where he, after Sybil has refused to give Everett the ring, he's the one who goes to the jewelry store with him, and he also gets a moment to tell him not to propose to Meredith. Yeah. Even as he's standing next to him looking at rings. But, But I think the movie is less interested in both of the stone kids who are already in relationships like
1: mm-hmm. yeah he,
2: he has more to do than reaser but like we know nothing about he- her Like, i barely remember what her husband's name is john he doesn't show up until the very end
0: her husband showing up at the end and they literally only show his face like from the other side of like frosted glass so <laughs> yeah. you just really don't even see his face it's just like blurry face husband i'm just like okay yeah. we don't care about him at all the right. worst but like stone. does
2: she have a job we don't know all we know about her is she has she's married she has a kid and she's trying to get the, end, the
0: end. She loves and me, she shops in at Louis. filing yeah. basement yeah.
2: right <laughs> good memory
0: but it still feels like that's the thing is like we don't really get a whole lot of that character susanna is her name i believe right yes it is um but still she that character feels very lived in that the mm-hmm. family i think this movie does a really great job of making this family feel incredibly lived in and even you were mentioning how sybil sort of encourages if just tacitly uh amy's personality and sort of like bitchiness right <laughs> and you see that with ben too when ben shows up yep. and and sybil is just like no pot in the house this year or like yeah. this like i mean it this time and like it's not going to be a clothing optional christmas we have company like you can tell it's like <laughs> that's she indulges him in the in these very similar ways
2: I have to say, a w- a one way that I noticed this time that they they, uh, the movie underscores like the coziness of the setting, is that this is a family, the Stones, who know how to dress to relax. Like there's the yes. two days before Christmas. Sybil is in, like, a robe from when she gets up until when she's back in bed, like, practically, other than for the dress-up Christmas Eve. Like, everyone is padding around in, like, slippers and socks. Like, there's the—in fact, Meredith stands out because she's the one who's, like, walking around in her, like—
1: blazer theory
2: separates making yeah. this making her strata in like a black vest yep. with a zipper up the back and no apron like she's she sticks out so much for how put together yeah. she is and the rest I of love... them look like me every day with like their socks over their sweatpants <laughs> and their slippers
1: on. there's something that i caught this time that i love and again we're people who watch this movie 20 times the one thing that i kind of love about this movie is especially christmas movies that are about like families they're Always in some huge house that feels like a huge house, and Mm -hmm. this is like a huge house that's not as big as you think it is when it get you get that many people, which also feels very familiar. Like I love how cramped that kitchen always feels because there's fifteen people in it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like that also feels really authentic to me,
0: which was all done on sound stages. Which shocked me. Wow, that they did the exterior of the house in in Greenwich, Connecticut. And but they they recreated not recreated but like they created all the rooms for the interior of the house on sound stages in Los Angeles, which is shocking to me. It feels very
2: authentic. It does. It's it's well dressed too, and and yes. the, contributing to to the the tightness of it is when Meredith demands uh, not to sleep in the same in Everett's yes. room with him. <laughs> So she's displacing someone and you you can tell they're already like it was already a lot of negotiating of like who was going to stay when. Because we find out Patrick yeah. and Thad are staying at the inn. Right. So I, this time I was like, OK, that means that the kid is probably sleeping in Thad's room. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this is why Aunt Amy has to end up on the couch. And like, Amy's blah,
0: blah, bedroom blah. is so pink, which is such it's a great so touch cute. of like she hasn't lived in that bedroom in a long time. And yet like she's still so like when you come home, like I've I've been that person who's been displaced for you know other relatives and it's just like no I want my bedroom I've come home and I want it and yeah a lot lot of little touches that I don't think this movie gets I think this movie is known for being this very sort of like emotional uh, family Christmas movie that will probably make you cry but like it's really it does really well on the details Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate
2: the reason that I love it and, and watch it over and over again is like, you know, I haven't had a home Christmas like this in yeah. a long time because, you know, I live away from the rest of my family. My parents also moved away right after I did. So like we when we have had this a couple of times at my sister's house where we're all packed in there and it's kind of not really big enough for everyone either. Yeah. <laughs> but but it 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 gives me that feeling like this it, other than the fights and maybe even with the fights like this is yeah. the, this is what you want your Christmas experience to be like everyone sitting around watching old movies, reading books, yeah. wearing socks and slippers, like just being cozy. You know, it, it captures wonderful. that for me.
0: It's the first time I saw this movie. I was, because it opened on basically like this time of year, like December 16th, so the Mm -hmm. weekend before uh, Christmas weekend. And so I had been to the mall, I had like decided I was going to do all my Christmas shopping in one day, and when I do that, I tend to plan on ducking into the mall's movie theater to see a movie halfway through just so i can sort of like pace myself and take a break and whatnot so this was the movie that i decided to do that that year and so i'm there with like two giant shopping bags full of whatever on either side (laughs) of me and i'm seeing this movie by myself in the middle of the day on like what i'm positive was a weekday so it wasn't even that like crowded and we get to well there's the part where where we find out that Sybil has cancer and that it's recurred and that like each of the children sort of like reveal that you know they either get told about it or are you know they can sense that something is wrong sort of individually. And so that's all very much like emotional and sad, but then they get to the end where it's a year later and Sybil isn't there and Rachel McAdams at the very, very end. She's wearing this phenomenal turtleneck sweater, by the way, I should say. Um, Honoring the, her
1: mother, Diane Keaton.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, puts the puts the ornament on the tree and then looks at the framed photograph, one of the ones that Meredith had gotten them. And I am literally in my seat, like, horfing, sniffling, sort of just, like, <laughs> trying to, like... I'm just sobbing so loud to this, like theater with like four other people in it so like (laughs) there was no plausible deniability it was just like no this is the guy who is like loudly sobbing at the family stone i was so whatever it was in my life was going on i needed to let it all out and i did at this movie and i mean it still does watching it again yesterday like i teared up like three or four times it is a very Emotionally effective movie. Yeah. <laughs> if
2: I may indulge you with the story of how I saw this. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna my, get into mine too. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Deanna and I. Deanna was, it still is my my friend in Toronto who I would see every movie with that my husband didn't care about. So we saw this the same day, back to back at the same theater. With rumor has it, remember oh that God, one?
0: <laughs> Yes. We have to <laughs> do also that movie Oscar for this both. podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I believe we saw Rumor Has It second, which, bad (laughs) call. We were still both wrecked from the family stone, even after, like, walking from one cinema to another, and then it was that other piece of crap. Oh, Rumor Has It is so bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so bad. Chris, what was yours? Um, Okay, so, like, at the time... I, I saw this movie with my sister, who at the time was a diehard Sarah Jessica Parker fan and like a burgeoning this was like the emergence of Rachel McAdams too, like where yeah. she was like everywhere, like killing it in these roles that were not very big.
2: This um, is one year after the notebook, is it not? Yes. The,
1: and, and the same and year as Wedding Crashers. Right. 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 Um, yeah, the
0: two year span for her was Notebook Mean Girls in O four, Wedding Crashers, This and Red Eye in O five.
2: Yeah. It was an amazing
1: two-year run. Yeah. So And, like, I'm a Christmas psychotic, too, and love an ensemble comedy. So it's, like, we were both absolutely stoked for this movie. We (laughs) saw it at, like, I am not even kidding. Because sometimes, like, suburban theaters will, like, just basically run movies all day. We saw this movie at, like, 8 a.m. Nice. (laughs) And I guess that's my story, but I always ascribe this movie, A, to my sister, because, like... My sister's not an asshole, but uh-huh. you mentioned that like first shot of Rachel McAdams and she's also like carrying her like, she, instead of packing a bag, she just throws a bunch of shit in a laundry hamper and my yeah. sister fully used to do that and like I remember I just did like a slow look at her at that <laughs> shot, so like <laughs> we just decided that that character was my sister. Um <laughs> So, like, I always describe this movie to my sister and seeing it at 8 o'clock in the morning.
0: This yep. movie is also a major favorite of my parents. Like, they love this movie. This is, like, the Reed family canon of Christmas movies is Family Stone, Love Actually, and Home Alone. And it's just, like, a slow rotation of those movies throughout, like, the month of December. They'll, you'll just sort of wander back into the family room, and they'll be just... They'll, be watching it either on like a recorded version on the dvr that they've just sort of never gotten rid of or they have dvds for all of them but they those are the three ones which i always think is kind of funny that it's not like it's a wonderful life or anything like that but it's those ones specifically
1: this movie belongs on the file family mantle right next to mixed nuts which is like my favorite (laughs) christmas movie that absolutely nobody knows about it's insane it's super problematic um, because Leah Schreiber, Schreiber is in drag in the movie, but it's right. about a suicide hotline. On it's Christ a Nora Ephron movie, right? It's a Nora Ephron yes. movie. It was her Sleepless in Seattle follow-up. It's Ooh. just yep. basically a farce. It's completely ridiculous, but we love it. Madeline Kong gets trapped in an elevator and raps about it. Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> I interviewed uh, June Diane Raphael one time for uh, Grace and Frankie, one of the like second or third season of Grace and Frankie, and she specifically mentioned this movie as one that like she loves mixed nuts and she's like nobody ever talks about it nobody ever whatever she's just like but like that is the Nora Ephron movie for me and I was just like okay and I've always thought of that ever th- since when that movie
1: comes up. Also get, crazy stacked cast.
2: To get back to Family Stone for one second my mother yeah. had never seen it so we watched it when she came to visit last Christmas on the same day that we watched the meddler and the babadook so it was oh, a big wow. mom, oh, wow. day. mom day my mother loves scary movies and she hadn't seen that either so yeah that was the theme of big that mom it was a movies. great trip yeah
0: man all sides of the mom issue there really mm-hmm. truly
1: that's amazing
0: <laughs> so getting into this specifically the oscar buzz of this because as i mentioned earlier diane keaton was very significantly rumored to be a big Oscar contender for this. I remember specifically going into the Golden Globe nominations that year, and I remember being like, alright, definitely Diane Keaton. I don't know who else is getting nominated this year, but it's definitely Diane Keaton. And she was of course not nominated for hardly anything. I think the I, Sarah Jessica Parker got the Globe nomination in lead actress in a comedy, but that's mm-hmm. really the extent of the Family Stone's Oscar story, but I thought, Chris, what are, what are your feelings on the supporting actress Oscar field this year? Because I feel like this was kind of an exciting one in that three major favorite uh, Oscar faces sort of made their debut this yes. year as, um, like,
1: sort of fresh-faced contenders. So the 2005 Oscars, we have Rachel Vice won for The Constant Gardener, Amy Adams for Junebug, which was, like, now I think I think Amy Adams fans and like especially the hardcore ones are big fans of that nomination but like the casual ones don't remember that movie because that movie was tiny. It was a real Very. homegrown effort just to get her nominated for that movie that not a lot of people saw. Um and it's still one of her best performances
2: it's it incredible. It is. I love that movie.
1: Um I love the movie too. Um uh Catherine Keener for Capote which is a perfor- performance and movie that I love, and that just seemed kind of like people thought she was just, like, sitting there responding to Philip Seymour Hoffman and got nominated for it. I think yeah, that's Yeah, that kind feels of like a, a momentum one.
2: nomination to me.
1: Yeah. Um, you have Michelle Williams, her first nomination for Brokeback Mountain, and then the last one is Frances McDormand for North Country, a movie that's, <laughs> like... If we ever, we'll probably eventually do, like, technicality movies, and that one kind of feels like it, because it had those Mm -hmm. two acting nominations, but, like, fully don't feel like that would have happened.
0: Well, it was Charlize Theron coming off of Monster and Nicky Caro coming off of Whale Rider, so I think there was a lot of sort of carryover momentum in that. I think... And McDormand being, like, she had the perfect storm of being an actress that the Oscars love, playing a character type where she was... She had ALS? What does she have in that yes. movie? Right. Yes. So um, it's a very sort of hooky kind of a role.
1: It's an interesting movie to compare to this one because part of the reason that Diane Keaton specifically had Oscar buzz for this movie is that it felt like she was owed after being so great and Something's yes. Gotta Give. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, like, again, she was back in a comedy... I don't know that I do think that's a good Best Supporting Actress lineup. I'm not. I remember not caring for Frances McDormand's performance in that movie, and I think especially now after winning her second for Three Billboards, it feels like does she really need that North Country nomination? Scarlett yeah. Johansson was also really close for Match Point.
0: She got um, a Golden Globe nomination for Match Point. Who also got a Glo- Golden Globe nomination that year. Who I would have really loved to have seen shown up was Shirley MacLaine for In Her Shoes. I would have In, loved her her, In her shoes yeah. to have just shown up. Period. Great yes. movie, hugely undervalued movie. Really, like that 100%. would have made a big difference. Yeah.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the SAG nominees were exactly the same as the Oscars that year. But if you look at like some of the critics' prizes, Maria Bello for A History of Violence was given the New York Film Critics Prize, which Mom was lead. like a
1: confusion thing. Like p- some people were considering her a lead. That's like right. probably a factor why she didn't get nominated.
0: Right. Gong Li was also uh, given the National Board of Review supporting actress for Memoirs of a Geisha, which people forget, no other film won more Oscars that year than Memoirs of a Geisha. It was wow. yep. tied for the lead with Brokeback Mountain and Crash that year. What a weird, weird Oscar year <laughs> 2005 was. Tara, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on any of those uh, supporting actress nominees that year? Were you, did you have a favorite
2: I agree. It's a good lineup. Michelle Williams, I sort of felt was like Katherine Keener, kind of a she got swept up in the momentum for that movie, which I've, I mean, the movie I have no problems with. I thought her part was kind of very small. I also did not love her Oscar dress that year. Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very... That's was a that the
0: very, very like tool heavy, frilly kind of...
2: No, it was it, yellow. It was the it yellow was, like, one. It was very s- sleek, but it like it had a ruffle and then it also had a thing around the waist where it's like... It, With the bold yeah. the red other, lip. Like pick, but anyway, um, I, I I think um, I felt like she she... Maybe I thought Anne Hathaway was actually I was gonna say more interesting scene. than her in that movie.
0: In retrospect, Anne Hathaway's role really, really shines brighter. I think Michelle Williams gets the the Jack Nasty scene that everybody remembers, and also the right. fact that she and Heath Ledger were in a relationship. And like the cynical yeah. part of mm-hmm. me feels like that the people campaigning Brokeback Mountain were like, oh, campaign Michelle Williams too, just mm-hmm. so that everybody knows that he's straight and has a girlfriend, right? Which yeah, like whatever I don't know I don't know if I'm being too cynical there but I something tells me I'm not yeah I, I
2: agree with and, and on In Her Shoes I mean I would have liked to see either of those lead ladies um, nominated I mean surely yes. McLean for Golden Globe is fine but that movie is so good and as you say so so underrated but um, I can't really argue with Rachel Vice for Constant Gardner she is great in that movie she's
0: great in that movie it's amazing really that good. if she gets nominated for the favorite it'll only be her second nomination
2: yeah that's yep, wild that's wild but i but i think for this I, I would have done diane keaton supporting and sarah jessica parker lead personally oh yeah, that's what I
0: they agree. were that's what they were campaigning oh, okay,
2: for, for yeah. Sure. yeah yeah, yeah. Then,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. i would throw one out who was actually nominated in lead against sarah jessica parker at the golden globes that i i mean i would call this a supporting performance but would definitely make my ballot would be laura linney in the squid and the whale
0: oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah yeah she was great
0: and I remember the squid, in the, the squid and the Whale was sort of on the periphery of that, that year's awards everything. I feel mm-hmm. like Jeff Daniels was, was always like half a step away. I think they were confused as to where to push him uh, mm-hmm. lead for, versus supporting mm-hmm. that year too. And I think that kind of
1: hurt him. But
0: that's yeah. not my favorite bombback movie, I have to
1: say. It's not mine either, but Laura Linney and Jeff Daniels are my favorite thing about it. Everything yeah. to do with the kids I really don't like, but when they're interacting with their parents I think is really interesting. That's also, like, that script sat around for something like 15 years before wow, filming. Wow, is that true? Yeah, so it's like, that's partly what I ascribe to it, not even really feeling like a bombback movie. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Sarah but Jessica also, Parker. But also, the knock
2: against the family stone is that people have the impression that it's mean spirited, like <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the whale. yeah, I mean that's that sounds silly, but anyway. Yeah, no, can we talk about Sarah true. Jessica
1: Parker's Golden Globe nomination? Because I think that's a great nomination, and at the time, it felt like people treated it like just Sex and the City carryover, especially because it was the Globes.
0: Yes, I think. I think. It took people a while to sort of realize that that's actually really good and solid. She's an actress who, she's she's not actually my favorite. But, like, I think she gets too much crap a lot of times for things that are not her doing. For Carrie Bradshaw being a character written not incredibly, you know... Not always the best written character or the most sympathetically written character, and she gets a lot of crap for people who just hate Sex and the City on principle, and she gets a lot of crap for, you know, being this very out front celebrity. She did all like she did the Gap, you know, promotion and and whatnot, and I think sometimes. It's a little... I think the the pushback against her is a little much. I also feel like the standing of her does get a little too much, too. So, like, I wish people would be in the middle on her. I wish people (laughs) would be more moderated on their opinions on Sarah Jessica Parker.
1: I don't know. Well, if I can be not moderated, I would say that this performance is better than even anything she ever did on Sex and the City. I think it's so funny and, like, unafraid to, like, be unlikable as this character, and, like, kind of go for the truth of it, and, like, go for the harder laugh than, like, the easy... Like, there's the whole thing with the Morton family strata that's, like, all over her, but, like, she's devastated in that, so it's not just, like, this dumb, farcical moment, like...
0: The bar scene later is such a great turnaround for her, too. It's...
1: Her line readings in this movie are amazing, too. My sister and I weirdly gravitate towards that every Christmas line that she does with, um, when she's teaching Patrick Patrick. Estrada. Yes. I also love when she's like, you know what? We should try to get a little Little pot. pot. A little pot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's especially funny that delivery because it's coming from Sarah Jessica Parker, who we think is kind of like stuffy and like Mm -hmm. she's so extra about that moment. (laughs) My
0: mom (laughs) will walk around the house saying, uh, we're gonna get you boys some beers. Like that's very <laughs> Clairvoy and in, uh, in First Man line too. By the way,
1: a bunch of boys <laughs> with beers.
2: <laughs> but she, yeah, she has so much to do in this part, and she she makes it so natural that I wonder if that's why she was overlooked because it just yeah. seems like she's she's just throwing it away. You know, like she she's there's nothing effortful about it, and I think that's true of. Diane Keaton's performance too even though I think she gets a lot less to play despite yeah. having the secret yeah. cancer diagnosis but Right. Yeah. And that Sarah was Jessica kind Parker
0: of a th- That was kind of a thin year for lead actress at the Oscars too with like cuz that's Reese Witherspoon wins and her main competition that year felt like Felicity Huffman for Trans America because Huffman wins the Golden Globe. But the other nominees, I love Keira Knightley and Pride and Prejudice, and I love yeah, that that too. nomination happened because it very well could not have. Like, that movie is very kind of... It doesn't demand itself as an Oscar contender in the way it is because it's, you know, wonderful and subtle and Joe
1: Wright's fantastic. Um, yep. There was something about that nomination, too, that it was like... It's one of the things where because it felt like a thinner year in Best Actress, it was like, you know what? Actually, we will say that she is great in this movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. because, like, yeah. there was kind of a resistant. This was already, like feels like the second she emerged in a costume drama there was resistance against it like she always does these movies the first time she ever did one and like that was definitely a knock against pride and prejudice well it was
2: also like it was so far after the wave of like austin adaptations with sense and sensibility and persuasion and emma when they were all clustered together and this was so many years later that maybe it was like oh yeah jane austen (laughs) and around the
1: time the nomination happened it felt like people had warmed up to that movie and her in it specifically
0: nobody talks about that movie as being an incubator for these like fantastic actresses too where all of a sudden like carrie mulligan's in that movie rosamund pike's in that movie Mm -hmm. it's really something so yeah the two nominees that i feel like were could easily lift out are Charlize Theron in north country which we talked about as a carry like probably a carryover thing from monster and then judy dench for mrs (laughs) henderson presents which for as much as a movie that
2: somehow ended up in theaters (laughs) right
0: Right. I mean, classic Stephen Frears, right? Where, like, he gives and he takes. We're like, you never know whether it's going to be this, like, really unexpectedly good, like, dangerous liaison Stephen Frears. Or even, like, Philomena, which, like, turns out to be a decent movie. But, yeah. like, Judy Dunge for Mrs. Henderson Presents ranks up there with the, you know, pick your laziest Meryl Streep nomination. And even still, like, <laughs> you know, Florence, I was, so I was at Trivia last week. And there was a tiebreaker question that ultimately we didn't need because we won, and that's fine. But it was, how Humble many wrecked. Oscar nominations has Meryl Streep gotten? And I literally, on my fingers, counted them out twice, and I got to 20 both times. And something in my head is like, it's not 20, it's not a round number like that. It's, it's, it, you're, you're, but, like, whatever. I didn't have time enough to, like... And I did it independently twice and ended up with the same 20. So we, like, you know, sent it in or whatever. And we were wrong. It's 21 because both times I forgot Florence Foster Jenkins. As which you
1: should. That is her worst nomination. No jury in
0: the world that. could convict me. I know. Still
2: never seen it. Sounds like I shouldn't.
1: You should not.
0: It's fine. It's not necessary, in the least.
1: In the way that Meryl Streep has been doing nothing almost until, like, the post... Between the post and I guess even Devil Wears Prada would work for this. They're like they're all just like drag performances, right? Mm. This is the crunchiest drag performance. I <laughs> was not a fan of Florence Foster Jenkins.
0: So I went up and I looked up the Streep nominations after just to sort of like see the spread of them. After when she won for the Iron Lady, there was a sense that and people mentioned it like, oh well, she's not going to be an automatic nomination anymore now that she's won her third you know, they're going to calm down with that a bit. And then her run since The Iron Lady has been her most, like, Oscar nomination dense of, like, as good as anything in her career. In the 80s when she was, like... She's been nominated right now four out of the last five years, and that happened, like twice in the 80s but like hasn't happened since then and it's really really funny that it's just like no they just really love meryl streep and honestly i can't fully blame them i do think she was phenomenal in the post but yes it's interesting that like winning for the for the iron lady fully did not stall that train whatsoever <laughs> boy so who else would we have put in there if we take out Thoran uh, and and dench put in sarah jessica parker who were the other like contenders that year
1: uh, Zhizong from *Memoirs of a Geisha* had to have been close. Did she get in with SAG as well? Oh, that's a good question. Here, you keep talking and I will. She look got that a up.
2: Globe nomination. I don't know about
1: SAG. Yeah, that. she did get a Globe nomination. Also nominated for the Globe, and like this is a movie we'll probably eventually talk about. And like I actually think this is a really good performance. Is Gwyneth Paltrow in *Proof*? Um, oh,
0: we got to talk about *Proof* at some point, Chris.
1: I know. I love. Like I love the play proof I should say, or I did at the time. I like full on stand that play for no good goddamn reason.
0: Yeah, Zhang um, was nominated for members of a Geisha at SAG as well. So instead of oh, instead of Kira Knightley, that's interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: There was also a push to put Rachel Vice as a lead contender for Constant oh, Gardener, which I never a stretch, quite. I think. Yeah, I never quite got behind that.
1: There was also like I remember when King Kong was finally seen oh, yes. there were people that were stumping for naomi they, Watts they
0: <laughs> campaign they campaigned Naomi Watts hard for king kong it's really funny to think about in retrospect That's because adorable.
1: i will like if yeah. I can support that a little bit, like I do think that that is a good performance, and when you have to think of the fact that she was up against nothing, like delivering that kind of like emotion and like coherence (laughs) like just surrounded by green screens i i think that's like it by green screen performance standards i think that's one of the better like things that come to mind at least
0: well, she can come and star in the Broadway version that is currently getting shellacked by critics here. <laughs> wow. Oh, you know what 2005 <gasps> was? It's the one that I still get mad about. So my, I'm looking at my own personal list that year. So there was, like, Juliette Binoche in, in Cachet, which is, you know, a really mm. great movie that is maybe not so much an actor showcase,
1: but... No. It's
2: so forgotten, that movie. I feel like oh, no one talks about it so good, so good, though. Man,
1: I love That's it. That's probably, like, one of my two favorite Hanukkah films. Oh, it's...
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh the both of the in her shoes ladies and then my number one that year who was infuriatingly never campaigned was joan allen in the upside of anger yeah mm. who's so good in that movie in that like unexpectedly like really kind of interesting movie even though i hate what's his face the uh kevin costner no the writer director oh the oh, Mike mind binder? of the married man guy yeah Mike binder? binder yes who then followed this up. Maybe it wasn't his next movie, but I remember my first Toronto Film Festival, I saw that movie with Kevin Costner and Octavia Spencer about... um, Black and white. Yeah, black and white. The child custody movie, which is such a piece of crap. It's so bad. And I could not believe that the same person who did that movie did Upside of Anger, which I love so much. But alas. Hmm. Anything else we want to talk about with The Family Stone as we sort of wrap up the main discussion? I've mentioned Susanna's husband. It's always funny to me.
2: Um, let's find that bar because it has a really great jukebox.
0: Hell yeah! Very much so.
2: <laughs> Every song they play in that ju- in that bar is a banger.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, we could talk about some of the like ancillary awards including the one that we have not had come up on oh, this podcast do. in a long time <laughs> and it is our favorite the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards Woo! guys We listeners we brought you a Christmas this present and it is the <laughs> award that the Family Stone won for the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards Best Grown Up Love Story Diane Keaton and Craig T. Nelson I think that is a great prize to get this a, movie yeah
2: sure it's not really above (laughs) about their story though
1: i remember people really responding to that sex scene they have where you see her double mastectomy yeah um and i still think that that is incredibly moving and i think some people have said that they think it's exploitive or that it's like Hmm. too much for this like light comedy but um in like at least terms of like telling a love story between two people, especially older people that we don't really get to see on screen, I think it's really interesting for this movie to go there.
0: Also, speaking of the AARP Awards, just as I as I no longer finished, you know, just finished talking about The Upside of Anger, they nominated that movie, uh, the Joan Allen-Kevin Costner romance for also for Best Grown-Up Love Story. Along with two for the money is Rene Russo and Al Pacino, which... <laughs> I dare you to find that movie even on cable. Like I I also love their best actress category so funny with just like Judy Dench in Ladies in Lavender, a classic that's had Oscar buzz movie. Meryl Streep in Prime Ditto. Shirley MacLaine in Her Shoes. Leave Ullman for Bond. <laughs> and then the winner is Joan Plowright for a movie called Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont, which who or what? Like <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> sounds like a like a Mad Libs answer. <laughs> yes!
0: Crazy. It's her and Rupert Friend. He's like oh, her... Oh, of
2: course. What?
0: I don't understand. Are they a romance? It's crazy. They're both wearing, like, legit slankets on the poster for this movie. I don't understand what's going on. You have to check this out. It's so crazy.
1: <laughs> Is she a red hat lady? She's in, like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's one of the Tea with the Dames uh, dames this year, which a movie that I have not seen and should probably see. I love the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards. Should we live tweet those this year? Oh, I'm, I
1: am def- I don't know when they will be. I mean, they could be very soon. Maybe that's our delayed Christmas gift to our listeners. <laughs> we will live tweet the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards. I love <laughs> it.
0: They aired on what? PBS last year, people are telling us. Yeah. All um, right. I'll go there. Yes. So anything before we do the IMDb game?
2: Nothing. I just I love this movie so much. I can't I love, I'm, I'm sure I, I wasn't objective movie. about it because I love it so much.
0: Honestly, that's what we want. We want the movies yeah. that like we can fully, you know, no longer be objective about. It's so good.
2: Yep.
1: I agree. And I love this movie. I love the family dynamics of it. There's always like an interesting layer that I think is there and like I think it's interesting that there's like clearly beefs that people don't talk about. Like we talked a little bit about the Thad character and like when he has such like a shut down emotional response to that um, dinner scene, like you get the sense that there's some like family history drama there that like they don't even talk about, but everybody knows it at the table. The Meredith, like I think this movie does that very well. It gets like, how families, like, communicate about their issues and, like, what it's like to step into that without being explained. Yeah. Um, And, like, for a light comedy to do that, like, that sounds like the type of thing we would praise, like, something more auteur-driven or, I don't know, something, like, finger quotes more serious, and I think that people should give The Family Stone a chance. The degree of of difficulty
0: in doing a movie like this well is underrated. Like... A lot but of you can t- like
2: yeah. You can tell by all the lookalikes that came after it. Like even Diane Keaton made one called Love the Coopers where yep. it's, like it's narrated by a dog. <laughs> Which like, by the oh, way,
0: yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is in that movie. Um but I do feel like if you are in a well-liked holiday family movie that people are going to rewatch every year, you should not be allowed to do further movies of that genre because it is just it muddies the waters too much. Joe- yeah.
2: I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: All right. Chris, you want to tell everybody about the IMDb game?
2: Okay. So the IMDb game, we do
1: this challenge every week. It's how we wrap up our episodes where we challenge uh, the other host and our guests to name the known four of a famous person. We do actors and actresses um, as IMDb lists them on their algorithm as the movies or television shows that we would most likely remember these people for. Um, caveats being, we will mention if there's television work or voiceover work and we try to avoid the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Harry Potter because those go straight to the top and that is boring and part of what is alluring about this game is that the IMDB algorithm is a mysterious uh It's a messy bitch who lives phantom. for drama is what the IMDB <laughs> <laughs> algorithm
0: is. All right, so we're going to do this round robin, so I, why don't I give to Tara? Tara gives to Chris. Chris gives to me. How about that?
2: Perfect. Fabulous. I'm dying to know if I doubled up either of you. Yeah. I came with four choices just in case.
0: Oh, okay. sweet. All right, Tara, do you want to guess first or give first?
2: Sure, I'll guess first.
0: Okay, so I have picked for you the the Thomas Bazooka, Bazooka, however we're pronouncing that. His his yeah. film- his filmography is not um, extensive. He this Family Stone was his second movie. He only has directed one movie since then. The teen. Adventure comedy Monte Carlo, starring Selena Gomez and Leighton Meester. And the I've
2: seen that. I haven't seen Foster Jenkins, but 100% I saw Monte Carlo in the theater. Hello.
1: We should also <laughs> mention that he is a co writer on one of our early faves, which I still oh, right. haven't watched. The Guernsey literary. to blah, 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 The potato, blah,
0: blah, potato, p- saw potato that peel.
2: I've watched potato that too.
0: <laughs> I was a little let down by that movie. I'm not going to lie. I Me wanted too. it to be more delightful. It was cute. Mm. It was cute. So anyway, oh. another co-star in Monte Carlo, one of the, the grown-ups in that movie, is Andy McDowell.
2: Oh, Christ. So okay. that
0: is who I'm giving you for IMDb game. Andy McDowell.
2: Okay. Sex, Lies, Haven't and Video we done tape. Andy
0: McDowell? What's that?
2: Haven't
1: we done Andy McDowell? Did we? Did you? I'm going to look it up.
0: We, we may have. Should crap. I hold? Crap. I'm pretty just sure I case?
1: did that early. Yeah, Tar,
0: just do it just in case. Yeah.
2: D- Go for do it. Do it or don't do it?
0: Do it. Why not? If we, if we go back and... and um, okay, okay. Yeah. You can edit this if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Sex, lies, and videotape. Correct. Four weddings and a funeral. Correct. Groundhog Day? Yes. Oh, here's where it gets dicey. <laughs> yes. Um, multiplicity?
0: No. One strike.
2: Okay. Um, fuck.
0: We did do this because I remember guessing multiplicity.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. All right. All I'm
1: right, pretty sure we did out. it because I remember mentioning uh, Love After Love.
2: Oh, yeah. This, this sounds familiar to me now.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, All right. Give me one second. All right. So one of the stars of The Family Stone being Dermot Mulroney, I was initially tempted to do Julia Roberts from because oh, he God. just co-starred with her in, yep. in Homecoming in a reunion of my best friend's wedding but Julia Roberts' IMDb game is kind of obvious and I know Tara you are one of my if not the greatest competitor for Ah. me In terms of games and movies of my lifetime. So I wanted to give you something with a little bit of a challenge. (laughs) Um, So another star of Homecoming, who doesn't actually get a whole enough to do in Homecoming, which is too bad because I think she's still doing great work, is Sissy Spacek. So yeah, do the known for for Sissy Spacek.
2: Okay. Coal Miner's daughter.
0: Yes, correct. Her Oscar win.
2: Days of Heaven?
0: No. One Okay. And I think you're thinking of Badlands, but yes.
2: Oh, I am. Is a Badlands. But that's also a Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, not that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> One strike.
2: Okay. Um, no TV, I assume. No TV. So it's no not voice Castle Rock.
1: Right. She's so uh, good on Castle Rock. Oh my or God. Or fucking um, Bloodline. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Bloodline. Rest in peace. <laughs> or something.
2: Oh my God. Oh, um,. Is it called Places in the Heart? You're thinking Damn. of Crimes
0: of the Heart, and it's not. Yes, bad. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really not All covering
2: right. myself with, with glory here. So, two yeah, strikes, so I'll
0: give you some years. Your okay. years are 1976, 2001, and 2011. Oh,
2: Carrie. Duh. Carrie is
0: 1976.
2: Okay, what are the other years? Sorry. 2001 and 2011. Yeah. 2011. Uh, oh. Uh, this isn't the 2011 one, but In the Bedroom? Was she in bedroom. In the Bedroom is the 2001. Yeah. Yep. Okay, 2011. Incredible.
0: Shit. I will tell you, we saw this movie together. We did? We did. Um, I think I know
2: what this is. That doesn't help And if me. I
0: give you the rest of that hint, you'll get it. So let okay. me know when you want the rest of that hint.
2: Yeah, give it to me because I got nothing.
0: Yep. We I, saw this I, I movie together good. with about twelve other people.
2: <laughs> um, it's not the one where Beyonce is married to Idris Elba, though that would be good.
0: No, no, this <laughs> one was. Obsessed it was. We is had fabulous obsessed. cinema. We had like two full rows of people for this. Really? Movie. Yeah. I, I
2: got nothing. I have no. I have no recollection of this. I fail.
0: It was us. It was uh, famed one Who Weekly co-star. podcasters, Bobby Finger and Lindsay Weber were there for that one. This was The Help. Oh, of course. Right. Remember? You probably
1: forgot she's in that movie. Yeah.
2: Yes, of course. Remember
0: rolling on into The Help, like 20 yes, deep? Yes. Like That's 20 something.
2: deep. I do. I do now. Yes. All
0: cool. right. Good job.
2: All right. So I'm giving to Chris. Yes. I'm going to go at the I'm top excited. of my list. i um, this is uh, elizabeth reaser's co-star in the aforementioned haunting of hill house played her mother in flashback carla gugino and i will say (gasps) there's no there's no tv but there is a one of the movies is one that did not i believe get a a So gerald's game yes gerald's game okay
1: um She's really good in Gerald's game too. I have to say. Yeah, superhero movie Watchmen.
2: Correct.
1: Um, uh, God, what do I know her from from the '90s that I'm like definitely this? Um, there's no TV. She's done so much TV.
2: Yeah, no, there's two two you haven't gotten yet, and neither of them is a TV series.
1: Okay, um, or, Sin any, City. or TV
2: at any of any kind. I don't know why I said it like that. Like it was, <laughs> I was trying to be sneaky. Both of these were movies that were released in theaters.
1: Okay, Sin City.
2: No, one strike.
1: <sighs> one That's of the Robert Rodriguez has expected. to be in there. Spy Kids.
2: No. All right. So now you get years. Right. Wow. Two thousand seven and twenty fifteen.
1: Twenty fifteen. What is she doing in twenty fifteen?
0: Oh, I think I know
1: um, what the 2015 one is. Uh, what ooh, I I I know what this movie is, but I for the life of me can't remember the name of the movie because there's been a million. Mo- it's she was like the Rock's wife <laughs> yep. in one of those disaster movies yes. that are all the same movie. Yeah. Yes.
2: Can I just tell you since you you know it you just don't know the title? Yes. 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 San yes. Andreas.
1: Ah, uh, of course. Um, where
2: her uh her we the weaselly second husband trope yep. is um. Joan Griffith griffiths from right
1: <laughs> um and
0: they like surf giant buildings down uh
2: that movie is amazing it's, it's so ama- stupid <laughs> it's so dumb <laughs> it's really dumb
1: okay so uh, did you 2007 say is your last one okay Ooh. this was legitimately a good pick because that is rough and difficult um i will
2: say this is not much of a hint but i i forgot she was in this and i still even seeing her her name under it don't remember who she was in it uh and i saw it in the theater
1: okay
2: um
1: it Can was I get it, like a genre
2: sure it's like a it's a it's a like a, a, a dra- like a docudrama. Let's say it was scripted, but it was based on true events.
0: Oh, I just looked it up. I can't. I also don't
1: remember her from being in this.
2: Zero percent. It was. It was directed by a director who's come up on this podcast many times. And for one of his, episodes,
1: was, or we just talk about this person.
2: Both.
0: Yeah, both. we've done we've done an episode on this director. Just yeah. one. I think just one. No, okay. two.
2: Two, I think. And it was co-written by a by a past um, one. It has two credited writers. One or, one won an Oscar in the '90s for a screenplay, and the other was the person who wrote the article that the movie is based on. Because as I said, based on it's true.
1: Based events. on an article. Yeah. I think that was article, turned
2: into director. a book, possibly, but it says article on IMDb.
1: It got one Oscar nomination for acting. An acting nom in two thousand seven. Uh, is it.
0: Huh. One acting nomination that I think as people approached Oscar Day, people thought
1: she was going to win the actual Oscar. Yeah. And she, didn't. she. Yes. Okay. Um. Ooh, it had to. I mean, it had to have been a supporting actress because it's probably not away from her. It's a crime. So it would it's have a been crime one of the story. many. Yeah. Uh, oh, cri- uh, American Gangster. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Did American Gangster only have one Oscar nomination? It was though? nominated for Art, Art Direction
2: 2, it, it says. Uh, oh, yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, but um, just the
0: one in acting. Um, did she play Scott. Bell's wife? Or, or not, Bell? Uh, Russell Crowe's wife. I, I don't think.
2: know. Don't yeah. remember. That's not a movie that I will say I revisited after I saw it the first time. Yeah, no. It was fine, but I didn't have a desire to go back. Yeah.
0: All right, Chris, what you got for me?
1: All right, so I have two. um, Column A or column B? We've done this in the past. Yeah, I'll do column A. Okay, column A, so... We uh, talked about Dermot Mulroney, and we mentioned him in My Best Friend's Wedding. Guess what? Sarah Jessica Parker is not alone in, like, these are shitty relationships with Dermot Mulroney. Guess who else was? Star of In Her Shoes the same year as The Family Stone, Cameron Diaz.
0: Okay. Cameron Diaz is tough because she has a lot of very different types of movies. Yeah. Charlie's Angels.
1: Charlie's Angels, yes. Nice. Nice. I thought that was one of the more weirder options, I will say. So it was such a big hit though. I know. Um
0: The Mask? No. Okay.
2: It's taking all, all right. my strength not to yell out guesses like I do when I listen to the, <laughs> the podcast.
0: <laughs> okay. Um uh, I'm trying to think of like lead roles. Something about Mary.
1: Yes.
2: That's okay. what I would have said next.
0: Yeah. Okay, um, hmm. I think it's, it's probably one of her, like, crappy rom-coms, and then something <laughs> else. Um, I don't know why I'm making this my guess, but,
1: uh, is what happened in Vegas? No, so you have two, you're two wrong guesses, right. I'm gonna give you years. Yeah. The years are 1997 and 2001.
0: okay. Nineteen ninety seven. Oh, why would that be her movie? And then two thousand one. Yes. All right. Is two thousand one Vanilla Sky? Yes. Nice. Okay. Close
1: to an Oscar nomination, Vanilla. She should have
0: got it. She was really good in that movie. What was the other
1: really year? good? She Nineteen ninety seven. Okay. So I'm going to have to she guess. She should have gotten it's... it for nineteen ninety seven. What's that? I would say she should have gotten it for 1997 too. Oh, well now I'm maybe less inclined to vote, to say this one. Just um, be so fucking mad. What's that? You're going to be so mad. Is it Is it from an
0: Oscar-winning director? No. Oh, okay, then it's not the one I was thinking of. Um 97 97, so something about Mary was 98. Okay, what else was she in that year?
2: <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you're such a jerk!
1: <laughs>
2: um, shit! Have we already said the title of it in this podcast?
1: Have we maybe put it in the preamble to... <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what I was getting at.
1: Wait what? Okay, so you mentioned it. You thought it might be one of her dumb romantic comedies. This is probably her best romantic comedy. Safely, it's not oh, necessarily. It's my hers. best friend's wedding.
0: You did? yes
1: yes <laughs> Joseph, Bro, <laughs> I
0: hate that you do that. I get off of that subject. I was fully gonna guess a life less ordinary. Um,
1: Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah, my best thing. friend's wedding. Course, right, that thing. Would have been a great nomination for Cameron Diaz.
2: Yeah, she was really Cameron
1: good. Diaz, fully please come back and do things like My Best Friend's Wedding and, like, being John Malkovich again.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised that wasn't in there.
1: Yeah, she was
0: great in that, too. I remember being so excited for The Counselor after seeing her in the trailer and doing all that, like, weird, like, like Jungle Kitty Burn-a-thing. stuff. And yeah. she's so <laughs> terrible in
1: that movie. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm fully surprised that there's something about Mary is on here because it feels like that is a movie that is fully forgotten for how considering how big it was.
0: Oh,
2: I don't think. I don't true. know. Really? I think that's.
0: I think that that movie was so instrumental in like making her the star that yeah. she is, and yeah, I think that's still pretty major.
2: I still see people talking about. it. I saw a tweet about it like literally yesterday as we're recording. Oh
1: wow. This. Anyway. Anyway. That was Cameron fun. Yes. Yes. Come back. We love the Family Stone. Um, We do. Tara, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This This, was a real blast.
2: What a thrill! What a thrill!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And guys, I guess that's our episode. Merry Christmas! If you want more, this had Oscar Buzz. You can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. If I like, if they haven't declared us to be pornographic and shut us down, yeah. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Tara, uh, where can our listeners find you and the rest of your wonderful things?
2: Sure. You can hear me every Monday on Again With This, a Beverly Hills Nano 210 podcast, and every Wednesday on Extra Hot Great. You can find those at, again with this, 90210.com and extrahotgreat.com. And I am also on Twitter at Tara Ariano, T-A-R-A-A-R-I-A-N-O. And same handle on Instagram for pictures of my dogs. Yes,
1: <laughs> Joe, how about you? Where can our listeners find you and the rest of your stuff?
0: Sure. I'm on Twitter at Joe Reed, Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I am on Letterboxd as the same name. And it's a good time. Good time, had it's by a all.
1: Great time. Uh, and I'm Chris File. I am on Twitter at Chris V File. That's F E I L. Also on Letterboxd at the same uh, user handle. You can find uh, my running list for This Had Oscar Buzz on there, where you have IMDb game stats and direct links to our episodes. <laughs> I will try to get that updated. I've been a little slacking on that. Um, but otherwise, I am at the Film Experience. That's thefilmexperience.net, writing about soundtracks, the Oscar season, reviewing movies, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, we'd like to. To thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin medius for their technical guidance. Please, please, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. Five star review would be super appreciated and help us become more visible to new listeners. Please let us be able to look at our reviews tearfully and say to our listeners, That's me and you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for this week. We hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Everyone's a winner, babe.